morning, ladies and gentlemen. We're ready now to start the auction. Uh, conditions of sale are set out in the uh, front of the catalogue. Purchasers pay 5% auction fees. Delivery on uh, Thursday, isn't it? The traditional start in a Dublin sales room the other morning of yet another fine art auction. It seems that auctions and fine art sales are becoming more popular as more and more Irish people are learning what they should buy and how much they should bid. Right, first lot now is this uh, river landscape here at sunset. Pretty little picture, lot one. May I have your bidding for it, please? £100 for it. 50 and bid, 50 bid, 60 bid, 80 bid, 80 bid, 100. 100 bid, 120 bid, 120, 140 bid, 140 bid, 160 bid, 180 bid, 180 bid, 200 bid, 200 bid, 200. 220 bid, 220 bid, 240. What exactly is fine art? Auctioneer Brian Coyle. Fine art is, generally speaking, everything of quality and usually things which are antique or over 100 years of age, uh, good pictures, uh, silver, porcelain. Furniture, sculpture, things like this. What they used to call objet d'art. Yes, objet d'art and fine art can generally speaking be considered much the same. Objet d'art sometimes refers to more precious objects, smaller in nature. And what are people buying these days? Dealer Jane Williams. Well, at the present moment, I think furniture. I would put furniture number one. And I think it's a very safe investment. After furniture? Silver. And then perhaps paintings, which I'm afraid I know nothing about. Now, when you say furniture and silver, are you thinking of Irish furniture and silver, or any furniture well, and silver? Well, furniture in general, Irish furniture is very much in demand, but there is very little of it. Um, so one is always on the lookout. But I would say English, good English 18th century furniture, which is plain, simple and useful. Sheila Chadwick from the firm of Cynthia O'Connor, which specialises in Irish paintings. A lot of people will walk straight into the gallery and say, what have you got that's Irish? Is this a new interest by the public? Um, It's built up from, I suppose, about ten years ago. It's building up slowly and surely. More and more people are getting interested in collecting Irish paintings. Perhaps they start off by buying a reasonably priced watercolour and then they have more confidence, they get to know their art dealer better, they go and attend more auctions, they go to the National Gallery and do some research and look at the paintings, and slowly they put their savings into Irish paintings. Of course, I will say that Irish paintings are a very good investment. I mean, one has to look at at the English market. Um, Their paintings um, are, are... have been built up and are now worth an awful lot of money, as must happen the Irish paintings, and especially in Ireland, where we have these very fine artists. And Ronnie MacDonald, president of the Irish Antique Dealers Association. Silver, pictures, paintings, uh, furniture, a bit of everything. But um, I'm afraid most of the people today are going to auction and buying goods, which is maybe not the best thing in their own. Yeah, why is that? Is it because there's more excitement in an auction? I think there's a sort of a, maybe a, a... Always, like everybody else, we all always hope to buy bargains at auctions, but often they tend to be the most expensive place to buy goods. 
But who are the main buyers? Gabriel Williams, who writes on fine arts for the Irish Times, believes that the Irish may be buying the less expensive items, and that the very expensive items may be going out of the country. Well, of course, the Irish are the main buyers in Ireland, because you're not dealing with um, tremendously expensive things when you're talking about quantity. But if anything particularly unusual comes up, which is rare and of top quality, then, of course, you're going to attract the international buyers. We've been constantly drained of top-quality stuff, and we're left with a sort of mediocre, which has been brought in, of course, every, every week. You get van lorillos bringing in mediocre stuff from England. Um, international names of paintings, such as that which went up in um, Charleville last year, the... Um, the right painting, which went for 68000 that, of course, attracted um, overseas buyers and went to England. Um, Malahide Castle, the year before, that, of course, practically everything there left the country. This was stuff of tremendous quality, of course. So, in fact, we've been constantly drained of top-quality stuff, and we're left with a sort of mediocre, which has been, for instance, down in County Cork last year. Um, but... I think probably it's not the Irish stuff which is going out so much as the stuff which has come in over the last 200 years from other countries, but which we naturally claim as ours, as the collections have been built up very slowly. At the viewing before a two-day auction at the Adams Sales Rooms in Dublin, it was clear that most people were quite knowledgeable about what they wanted to buy and also about what they should pay. I think most of us look for furniture. You know, unless you really know your pictures and you're, you... Then you bring along the whole family, they have to live with it. <laughs> what sort of furniture are you looking for? Well, I'm looking especially for chest, small chest of drawers. Mm. Which would you yeah. be prepared to pay? Well, I think it depends on how good condition it is. Mm. But some of them, you figure about 250 now for, and up, and up a main You want a period piece, do you? Well, I think it depends whether you're buying it just for regular use, or whether you want it, you know, that special piece. Mm. You don't want to throw out the house just to go with that one piece of furniture. Well, I now I'm not too long in, but there seems to be a reasonable mix. I, don't, I can't find any McKelvies around at the moment, and they're ones that I particularly like, the McKelvey landscapes, but they don't seem to have one in this auction, unfortunately. But um, then again, prices are very... <laughs> They, have, part, an, you know, uh, the they have an O'Connor which will fetch a lot of money from yeah, 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 yeah. Is that beyond your <laughs> Oh, absolutely, yes. Oh, well, I'm only very small fry, you know, in the market. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be in that sort of thing. Those, those will mostly go abroad, I'm sure, nowadays. How you much know. are, you, are you prepared to bid yourself? Oh, up to five, four or £500, maybe. For a good, you know, something that was pleasing. But then again, my wife would have to see it and, you know, the usual ramifications... One man who knew what he wanted and what he could afford to pay. The Irish paintings in the auction included a study of mountain and bog by the famous Percy French, who was almost as famous for his paintings as for his songs. Lot 30, Percy French, the usual um, bog and mountain study, watercolour. There you are, fully signed, £100 for it, Lot 30. I bid 50, 50 pounds I'm bid for this Percy French, 60 bid, 70 bid, 70 bid, 80 bid, 80 bid, 90 bid, 100 bid, 100 bid, 100. Lady in possession, 110, 120, 120 in the front row, 130, 130, 1, you bidding? 140, 140, 150, 160, 
160, 160, 160, 170, 170, 170. Gentleman's bid, 170 pounds. 180, 180, 180. Selling at 180. A modest enough price. But other Irish paintings were fetching much higher prices, including two small coastal scenes by Chinnery and an extensive landscape by James Arthur O'Connor. Now we're at lot 42, this little pair. Chinnery, yes. Right, £100 for this lot, lot 42. £100 I'm bid, 100 I'm bid, 120 bid, 120 bid, 140 bid, 160 bid, 180 bid, 180 bid, 180. 180 bid, 180, 200 bid, 220. 220 bid, 240 bid, 60 bid, 260, 80 bid, 280 bid, 300. 300 bid, 300, 320. 320 bid, 40 bid, 340 bid, 360 bid, 380 bid, 380 bid, 380. 380, 400 bid, 400 bid, 420. 420 bid, 440 bid, 440 bid, 460 bid, 460 bid, 460, 80 bid, 480, 500. 500 bid, 520. 20 bit 520 Selling at nineteen hundred and fifty pounds. Finished. Irish paintings very much in demand. The James Arthur O'Connor painting fetched £1,100, and yet a very large canvas titled Haiti by the American artist Frit Rock went unsold. Lot 112, a George III sauce plain boat-shaped dinner cruet. Uh, a very fine one here. You say £100 that, please. Not number 112. 40 I bid for it, 40 pounds I bid, 50 I bid for it, 50 pounds I bid, 50 pounds. Any advance in 50 pounds? Only if the crew 60 bid, 60 bid, 60 bid, 70 bid, 70 bid, 70 bid, 80 bid, 90 bid, 90 bid, 100 pounds bid, and 10 bid, 110 bid, 110 bid, 120, 120, 130, 130, 130, 140, 150, 150, 150, 150 on my left. Or finish now at 150 pounds, 60, 160, 170, 170, 170. On my left again, 170 pounds, all out for 170. 116, a George III um, wireframe egg ray. 60 pounds for that, please. London, 1793, a very fine piece. 60 pounds, I am bid, 60 pounds, I am bid, 60 pounds. Any advance on 60, please? 60 pounds, 60 bid, 70 bid, 70 bid, 70 bid, 80 bid, 80 bid, 80 bid, 80 pounds bid on my left. I'm selling at 80 pounds now, if no advance. 90 outside, 100 pounds here, 100 pounds bid, and 10 bid, 120, 120, 120. On my left again, 130, 130, 140, 140, 150, 160. 160, 170, 180, 180, 190, 200 pounds bid, and 20 bid, 240 bid, 240 bid, 240 bid, 240 on my left, 240. All finished now, 240 pounds, selling 240. Silver would seem to be more of an investment these days than a way to make an instant profit. And talking of silver, the Christie's representative in Ireland, Desmond Fitzgerald, the Knight of Glynn, commented. 
I think, unfortunately, m- many people just like to speculate, just whether they speculate on a piece of land, they speculate whether they think they've bought a, uh, a good bit of silver down the road cheap, but um, they get stung very many, many times. At the Adam auctions, a Victorian rose bowl fetched £60 and a George III pair of crested tablespoons, £30. But a French chocolate pot, early 19th century, fetched £520. One hundred and seventeen, a very fine pair of Victorian cast column candlesticks. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are offering immediately after this lot um, the pair of plated matching candlesticks. Uh, the number is? 96. 96. We are offering lot 96 immediately after this lot. They match them exactly. They were made to match. They are plated, though, lot 96. But this first lot, 117, is silver. A very fine pair of Victorian cast column candlesticks with the crest of the Inchiquin family from Dromoland Castle in County Clare, and made in London in 1900. So you're bidding, please, for this first lot, and I'm selling afterwards the pair of plated matching candlesticks. But I say £200 this pair, please, an interesting pair of candlesticks. £200, I bid £120. 120 the pair, 120 the pair, 140, 160, 180, £200, and 20 bid, 40 bid, 60 bid, 280 bid, £300 bid, £300 bid on my left, £300, and 20, 40, 60, 80, 380 bid, £400 bid, and 20 bid, 420 bid, 420, 440, 460, 460, 460, 460, 480, 480, 520 bid, 520 bid, 520, 540, 540, 560, 560, 580, 580, 580 is over there, 580 is there, 580, £600 bid, 620 bid, 620 bid, 620 bid, 620 bid, 620 is there, 640 bid, 640 bid, 640. 640. On my left is 640 pounds the pair. 640, 640, 660. 660, 660, 660. 660 pounds is there. Or finish now at 660 pounds and selling at 660. Now, lot 96, ladies and gentlemen. The matching pair in plate. What can I say for those? 100 pounds? Throw them in, Mr. Danker. Can't, unfortunately. No. <laughs> we do our best for you. You give me 100 pounds for them. <laughs> And, of course, there was the unusual, a pair of Stephenographs, for instance, paintings woven in silk by the Victorian Thomas Stevens. One pair fetched £50 and another pair £60. A Victorian carved oak reading chair with a built-in bookrest fetched £160. And for a Victorian mahogany dressing table washstand, complete with blue and white Staffordshire fittings, £100. The rest of the sale comprises of the sale of wine. So we have completed the other, and we continue tomorrow, of course, tomorrow Wednesday, setting the contents of this room, uh, furniture and other items, and, of course, the contents... Even of the wines house. bring out the buyers these days. At the auction, a selection of choice claret, burgundy and port, once the property of a gentleman. Now we're starting to sell the wines, and we're commencing at lot 178. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen... We are now about to offer this choice selection of claret, burgundy, etc. Some of it is lying at 28 Palmerston Road, Dublin 6, from whence it can be collected uh, from tomorrow onwards after payment of accounts. And the remainder is lying in uh, Dublin Wine Merchants and can be collected from Friday of this week, I understand. Now, may I also point out that uh, a lot of this is chateau bottled wine, and in particular the 1961 O'Brien. We have some choice lots to offer to you here, ladies and gentlemen, and I look forward to your bidding. Now, we start 
with lot number 178, which is one dozen bottles, and I'm selling from the catalogues, so I think it may be unnecessary to read out the entire description of each lot. So if you please, I take that everyone in the room interested has a catalogue, and therefore you can follow your catalogue. The first lot, one dozen bottles of Aubryon 1961. Bid me for that, please. May I say £100 for this case of 1961 Claret? Who will start me, please? A bid £100. £100, I am bid. £100, I am bid. £100. Any advance from £100 and 10 bid. 110 bid, 110 bid, 110, 120, 120, 130, 130, 130, 140, 150, 150, 150, 160, 160, 170, 170, 170, selling 170 one couple were trying to establish the value of a Louis XV-style vitrine or glass-fronted cabinet at the viewing before the auction. You see, we bought one of those well, a year and a half ago. Yes. A bigger version. We were making comparisons. We have no intention of buying this one. But uh, probably, if we hadn't bought the other one, we would be doing... What do you think uh, it would fetch? Well, we paid... Uh, uh, as I said, that's a year and a half ago. We paid uh, 1200 1200 which was, I reckon, top price that time. Uh, 284 the uh, Kingwood um, Vernie Martin Cabinets. There you are, that nice little uh, bow-shaped, bow-fronted vitrine. Lot 284. Uh, £500 for this piece. 300 on bid, 300 bid, 300 bid, 320 bid, 340 bid, 360 bid, 380 bid, 380 bid, 400 bid, 420, 440 bid, 440 bid, 460 bid, 460 bid, 480 bid, 480 bid, 500 bid, 520 bid, 520, 540 bid, 560 bid, 580 bid, 580, 600 bid, 600, 620 bid, 620 bid, 620, any other bidders at 620, 640, 660, 680, 680, 700, 720, 720, 740, 760, 760, 780, 780, 780, 780. Any 800, 800, 820, 820, 820, 820 out there, 840, 840, 860, 860, 880, 880, 900, 920, £1,000, Near enough to the £1,200 paid a year and a half ago. Has the pattern of buying changed over the years? James Adam has been conducting auctions for 50 years. He's the successor to his father and his grandfather, who started the business in Dublin back in 1887. In the early days, an auction was a very small affair, even uh, uh, with the most prominent auctioneers, it was always a rather small affair. The public themselves didn't have the same interest or knowledge of antiques that they have now. Um, prices, of course, were nothing like what they are at present. And uh, the people just crowded into the sale rooms. There was, uh, except in very outstanding auctions, there were no catalogues and there were no seating or any special facilities for the public. 
A watershed in the fine art market in this country in recent years was perhaps the wealth tax introduced by the coalition government. Sheila Chadwick. Well, the wealth tax was a very sad thing. Um, I think a lot of very rich Irish people left. I hope they'll return. They had to sell up their houses and leave a lot of their belongings behind, which I suppose is circulated back into the market. But I think it also meant that people who wanted to come and live in Ireland, rich Americans or Arabs perhaps, um, have thought twice about it, and now I think they'll come and live here again. And buy, I hope. But Ronnie MacDonald, the president of the Antique Dealers Association, is less pessimistic about the effects of that tax. When you're talking about wealth tax, you're talking about people in the, in the, in the big bracket of money, whereas the goods that turn up by auction generally are in the range, or even in the shops, are in the range of, of uh, the ordinary person. But the thing which we have to forget is that, or not forget is, that every year there's less and less goods coming on the market to purchase. More people chasing fewer goods, yes. Gabriel Williams and the wealth tax. I think it was very bad for morale. I think people became incredibly depressed and almost panicked. And um, it was during the year that it was introduced that we had, I think it was six major country house sales and the people went abroad, mostly to the Isle of Man. And this was one of the reasons they put forward that they just couldn't think the wealth tax was insupportable. Now this process has been slowing down actually and perhaps now it will completely stop. Because this must have been a boom in the way to the auctioneers. I mean they were they were doing very good business while the 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 wealthy were fleeing the country. Yes, of course, well we didn't hear any complaints from them because of course they are in it for the business reasons. And um all they can do is to give the very best service to, to the houses, to the owners of these these um, collections. That's the role. For instance, when Sotheby's and Christie's moved into Ireland, and um, we questioned them about their position here, in because they're accelerating the movement of antiques out of Ireland. They said, "Well, they're going to come up for sale anyway. They've always been sent to England, and we're just going to give them the best service possible in the country here." And um, there was nothing really one could reply to that. You can't stop people selling if they want to. Mary Boydell, who has recently revised and edited Westrop's book on Irish glass, is one of Sotheby's consultants in Ireland. The representative here is Nick Nicholson, and there is another consultant, Gertrude Hunt. Mary Boydell believes that international firms like Sotheby's would have moved into Ireland, wealth tax or no wealth tax. Oh, yes, I, I think they would have come anyway, because uh, uh, Sotheby's is... Uh, is the kind of firm, you know, that it, it's always expanding. In fact, uh, recently they've opened um, uh, offices elsewhere, One, another one in South, South Africa, uh, uh, South America. So, so it, it, it's a kind of logical development, one might say. And what of Christie's, which is reported to have done some £2 million worth of business in Ireland in the last few years? Desmond Fitzgerald... No, I don't think the wealth tax had anything to do with us arriving in Ireland. Uh, one of my colleagues, co-director Charlie Alsop, had been coming over here a number of years before the wealth tax had even started. And I know that he had it in his mind there was a great deal of business to be done over here. And when I left the V&A, um, it dropped into place and I came and did to manage that business. 
But do you think that the introduction of the wealth tax brought more work? Oh, undoubtedly it did. It, it um, just like the money that left the country after the introduction of the wealth tax, people left the country, especially rich people who had uh, fine things, which in some cases they, of course, kept and moved to abroad. Others they sold or wanted to have sold. And um, it certainly, uh, certainly precipitated um, other people with perhaps properties, large country houses, that found their assets now um, very much beleaguered and they had to sell something to pay their divvy. As easy as that. Do you think the situation will now change? I hope it does in many ways, although I speak perhaps against the auctioneering profession, um, because um, I regret that so much possibly does leave the country. And I would like to see the encouragement of Irish people, Irish men and women, taking interest in fine arts, uh, painting, furniture, and conserving them at home. I feel very strongly about that. The wealth tax has been removed, the market appears to be buoyant again, and some dealers claim that times have been hard. I think in general business is beginning to pick up. I think people are coming back again. We've had a rough time, but I think the interest is now picking up and people realise that it is an investment. Another dealer on prices. Well, of course, they're becoming more and more expensive, um, as, as it must happen. We have at our present exhibition prices ranging from £60 for a nice Irish watercolour of looking over Dorky Castle up to a picture for... £1,600, and I said when Hayes. Victor Mitchell, a fine art dealer in Ross Cray, reports that trade is buoyant and that people in the country have become more investment-minded. They're buying the best at auctions and good items are fetching top prices. The country, says Victor Mitchell, is a dearer place in which to buy than the city, but there's a better chance of buying something unusual. In demand, pine furniture, Regency furniture and items in need of restoration, but not mid-Victorian furniture. Inevitably, any discussion on the subject of fine art in Ireland comes around to the question of items of value leaving the country. Ronnie MacDonald does not believe that the removal of the wealth tax has made any difference in this respect. I would think that's... uh, There's a lot of talk about that, but I think that is... Today, that is balanced by the amount of goods that are coming back into the country. The goods that really mattered left the country before the First World War. I mean, the important goods left the country. But is what's coming in as valuable as what is going out? It's, uh, I would say it's equal. Desmond Fitzgerald. Over the last three or four years, I've seen a hearty and great interest in uh, pictures, fine arts in Ireland, and many things returning to this country. For example, only... Um, Three or four weeks ago in New York, there was an extremely attractive painter by an Irish Limerick painter called Mulcahy, Jeremiah Hodges Mulcahy, to be precise, and that was bought back by an Irish dealer. I know a collector in the south of Ireland who has been buying and collecting Irish paintings for the last two or three years on a very large scale, most of them coming from England. Irish paintings abroad tend to be cheaper than they are in this country, and dealers in Dublin, are many of them, have been buying abroad for the last, systematically, in London for the last um, three or four years and bringing them back to Ireland and selling them in Ireland, which shows that the interest in the subject, probably pinpointed by the fact of the money in it, is making making people sit up and become aware and appreciate the subject for itself. 
how much is staying in Ireland and how much is being shipped out. It's a topic on which not all members of the trade agree. Mary Boydell of Sotheby's. Uh, not very much, in actual fact, because uh, a lot of, I'd say about 90% or more uh, of the um, antiques that, that we see, uh, we advise that they should sell them here in Dublin. Auctioneer Brian Coyle. Well, I would say uh, on average probably about 80% certainly staying here, perhaps even as high as 90%. Um, the other 10%, regrettably, very often is the better end of the market, the best things, which are paintings or good pieces of silver or furniture which are purchased and taken abroad. But this may be a natural market flow. Compared to London or New York, Dublin is a small centre for fine art. It's nonetheless a pity that we should lose items of great value and there are people who are hopeful that some official effort may yet be made to prevent the best of our heritage leaving the country. Groups of people are getting together to buy things for Ireland. For instance, recently uh, there was a great effort to purchase the famous Titania's Palace and bring it back from England, but unfortunately it fetched a price which was in excess of the maximum which the group of people involved uh, could afford to, to pay. But they at least went there, made this great effort to bring something that was originally Irish back into Ireland. So this looks good for the future. But this is this to some degree an exception to the rule? Uh, well, increasingly it has been an exception to the rule. I would like to think that in the future it will not be the exception to the rule. It may become the, the rule, but it's tending towards that situation. There is People generally uh, realise there's so little left in this country of our own heritage of things in the decorative arts, I mean, furniture, silver, and so on, that they're beginning to make much more effort to keep them here and to be proud of the fact that they own something which was made in Ireland, particularly in the last few centuries, or even far behind that. Uh, it's a pity that we don't have some sort of official policy on this. I don't... a sort of a Ministry of the Environment, perhaps, who could t um, encompass this area and do something to preserve the very finest, of which there is very little. I mean, the Malahide, um, the breakup of the Malahide collection is a point in case in which we lost some remarkable stuff. And the country is the poorer for that. And this could happen again? This could happen again, yes. There are, I think there only are about six um, major collections left in Ireland in private, you know, private houses. And um, one by one, it's expected that these will go on the market. Um, I don't know if there could be some policy in which the owners of these houses could be given something towards the upkeep of a collection if, in return, they open their houses to the public. There must be something like this. Um, I don't think Antashka's got any um, sort of power in this direction. But we do need an official, an official policy. Desmond Fitzgerald. Because one does not want to see the entire contents of Irish country houses stripped and sent abroad. It is so important that some of these houses, not perhaps a great many of them, are here to tell us our true social history from the top down. We don't want anything of round towers and thatched cottages. The Irish Georgian house is just as much a part of Ireland as they are. And if all their portraits, however crude they may be, or their provincial furniture, however odd that may be, is all sold and everything is taken out, and they have lost their point entirely. And I think that is a, a, major, uh, a major thing to keep in mind. And it is marvellous that the government seems to be beginning to do so, because it doesn't seem that the last government were in any way interested in this matter. Your firm was concerned with one of the biggest auctions of in, in a country house in Ireland in recent years. That was Malahide Castle. How much of the contents of that castle left the country? That was, I think, perhaps a major tragedy. The major tragedy of the wealth tax, too, 
There was the finest house with all its original contents belonging to one particular family left in this country. It was the major scandal, I think, culturally speaking, of, uh, of that era. And a great number of things were brought back through the enterprise of Dublin tourism. Matt McNulty's enterprise has been amazing, and Dublin tourism and the local county council have done a great deal of, of uh, resuscitation there. However, there were a number of things sold, but before I go on to mention those, one thing we were able to do, and uh, Christie's is particularly keen on trying to arrange, make arrangements of this sort, we were able to see that the National Gallery of Ireland were able to buy all the family portraits. So all the family portraits are still there in Malahide today, and they were bought at a very, very lower price than they would have done if they'd got up to the hammer. But, of course, I was very sad at the time myself, even though they made a very large price, the dining room chairs, which are the most marvellous set of Irish mahogany dining room chairs with little masks on the handles and things, they were sold. During the euphoria of the day, it was an extraordinary day, that. Bianca Jagger, in actual fact, bought them. And uh, uh, they have, I believe, left the country. Perhaps we were persuaded to, to give them back, but you never know about that. But many things did come back, and now, of course, they've been buying furniture and Irish, ma- Irish pieces to put back into the house. And really, it's going to be the portrait galleries you know of Ireland, furnished, and uh, it'll look magnificent. And I think that is a major triumph out of a, what could have been a total calamity. What are people selling to dealers and sending to auctions? It's a very bizarre business travelling around the country because it's not just a one long caravanserai from decaying stately home to another... One has all sorts of visits in small houses in uh, Roscommon or a cottage, I remember, in County Kerry, where I went on the off chance there might have been something there, and what should I see but 20 or 30 canvases stacked up in the back kitchen. This lady's uh, uncle had been a priest in Dublin in about 1910, 1915 and collected pictures in a small way. And amongst them there was one marvellous early 19th century Dutch picture of a, of a boat, uh, a seascape, um, in mint condition, which went later for £9,000 in London. So it's a very varied and fascinating business travelling around Ireland, and you never know where you're going to go or what you're going to find. Well, uh, sometimes when you go to see people, they don't really know what they want to sell, because uh, some of the people who get in touch with us, they, uh, for some reason or other, they want to uh, sort of realise X number of pounds. And you sort of go in, into their house and you look around and go upstairs and downstairs and depends, of course, what the, the sum is. Uh, and you you hope to, if it's as some of the people we, we, we visit are perhaps rather elderly. And, of course, you, you hate um, to be in a position to have to more or less denude their house. So thank goodness this hasn't, this hasn't actually happened. But you look for something perhaps small that they won't miss so much that they might, uh, might realise the, the amount of money that they want. A lot of paintings have been in country houses. One buys at country house auctions. A lot, uh, funnily enough, we buy from the English sale rooms. People um, have sent their paintings over to England. They've perhaps been left to their English relatives. The English relatives, thinking not much of them, have put them into the sale rooms and we buy from Christie's and Sotheby's and where we can. In matters of taste, we're said to lack a visual awareness in Ireland and to lack an appreciation in matters of fine art. But in the last few years, it seems that our taste has improved. 
I think this is probably true to say in that the Irish public are only beginning to awaken to the fact that these things should be bought and are worth buying, if for nothing else, for investment purposes. They're a good investment. Um, but they're still not prepared to compete always on the top levels of price for the very finest goods. They will be bought by people abroad who have stronger currencies, and it means a greater effort here, which is worth making. And increasingly, I think Irish people are tending to make this effort to pay a bit more for something of quality and possess it. Do you think that in some ways there is a, a lack of education in the very meaning of the word finance? Well, I think we have suffered in this country somewhat from a lack of education in the arts, a lack of appreciation, which is now being remedied because there is a, a great amount of publicity nowadays for fine art and art generally, and there are courses available for people, and there are generally articles about it, and people are aware through media, newspapers, television, radio, of fine art and what it is, and so they're gradually educating themselves, and as more people are purchasing pictures and fine art, they're beginning to appreciate what these are, and leading forward into buying more and appreciating more. Unfortunately, there's never been any visual art appreciation taught in the schools in this country, so how would they know? This is now being rectified, I believe, and art history is being put part of the syllabus, where they will be taught something about the history of art and the history of architecture. And it is those um, factors that will educate the people to understand more about the fine arts. So what to buy? If you are an average or a below-average buyer and you are interested in fine art, there are items within your price range. The fine art business may be big business, but there are still bargains to be found in the sales rooms and at the auctions. And we asked the dealers, the writers, the consultants and the auctioneers for tips. You must only always buy a thing which you find actually attractive. You must never just buy it for investment. You must actually like the thing. Um, then it would really depend on your personal inclination after that. But I can tell you that um, Irish paintings are doing very well. Um, furniture, good quality furniture, Georgian furniture, especially if it's of Irish make, is um, well worth the money that's been asked for it at the moment. And... Um, Silver is quite a good time to buy silver at the moment. It's very steady there. And those would be the three main categories I would um, recommend. Anything out of the ordinary? Anything peculiar? Well, um, actually, um, firearms are doing very well. And um, if you want something really zany, this sort of militaria, which is catching on in a big way, rather macabre, but seem, people seem to like it. Well, it's very difficult to be right in something like this. Um, Probably um, pictures are the things that have been increasing most in value over the last few years. Um, furniture is now beginning to show a very large increase, but then one can only collect a certain amount of furniture, namely what you need to furnish your house. Um, so therefore, most people either buy paintings or they buy silver or they buy glass, which is breakable, of course, and not quite so popular, or they buy china. And uh, in between, there are lots of other objects, brassware, clocks, and mirrors and things like that you can also collect I suppose pictures generally and watercolours in particular have been very underrated in this country and prints old prints and even modern graphics I think are underrated and must increase in value. And for people who want to begin? Well it depends on their personal tastes I suppose some people would be delighted to collect silver to even collect something like silver teaspoons which still might be two or three or four, five pounds each to start making a small collection. Other people would much prefer to start purchasing watercolours, say from 20 pounds upwards, approximately. 
And then, of course, they eventually, if they can afford to do so and continue their interest, they can buy better arches, a matter of paying several hundred pounds, maybe, for a fine watercolour. They should go for what they like. I think they should just look round. I mean, if you're starting to collect, you should, you, you, uh, this, from, this is my own very personal feeling about it, is that you, sh- you should start by, say, going round to art galleries or antique shops and museums and just get, you know, go around and get a sort of feeling of what you like and buy always what, what you like and what's going to really going to please you and you're going to, you can see in your own home and you're going to enjoy and and of course, always then of course seek the advice of, of say a, a reputable uh, and uh, antique dealer in the sort of um, uh, area of the sort of middle range uh, and antiques. Uh, good sellers are uh, photographs at present. They've come up. I mean, about I think about seven to ten years ago, old f- photographs, for instance, uh, we Sotheby's uh, wouldn't have wouldn't have taken in for sale old photographs, but they have uh, come up enormously uh, in price. People have thrown old photographs on the dustbin. Oh, I know. Be very upset to th- hear that. They will indeed. <laughs> what's and, what's uh, the reason for this? Well, well, well. The reason is uh, is as certain antiques appreciate uh, in value and price and so on. I mean, for instance, I can talk about myself, my own collecting uh, trends in connection with this. That I mean, I've I've been collecting glass for the last thirty years or so, and I started by collecting eighteenth-century wine glasses, uh, and then after some time few years, I found that these were increasing in value, and I couldn't, you see, they just became too expensive. So I moved on then uh, to the 19th century. As you, you, you tend to, uh, when you find what you want to collect, mm. you, you're also, of course, your taste changes uh, at the same time. As long as the actual, shall we say, as far as the, mod- the modern reproduction is concerned, as long as the actual goods, that is the, the material, is, keeps going up in price and the labour keeps going up in price, the goods are going to cost more. And the same re, re, is reflected in the older ones, which are getting less and less, so the price is going to go up no matter what it is. So and and, and the, a man said to me one day, and it was made prior to 1930, that's handmade and of good quality is going to go up in price. Most people who are buying will um, go for what's pleasing to them regardless of value. But it depends if you're dealing or whether you're just a private collector. You know. Are you just a private buyer? No, I'm starting up in the antique business. Yeah, on your own. Yeah. What are the hazards? What are the hazards? All the other dealers are going to outbid you anyway. Well, not really. Uh, I suppose getting stock that's, that you're going to make money on, you know, buying stuff that's within your price. What made you decide to go into the business? Well, I've always been interested since I was a child, and I just decided to start up myself. You think you are pretty knowledgeable about it? Well, I wouldn't call it. I think anyone, as far even if you were 60, you still wouldn't be knowledgeable. You know, that's the most, the nicest, most fascinating part of the, of the business. But you never know enough. 
bid 40 for it, 40 pounds on bid, 40 bid, 40 pounds bid, 45 bid, 45 bid, 50 bid, 50 bid, 55, 60, 60 bid, 60. And so the bidding goes on, and all without a word from the bidders. 80, 80 pounds, no more, selling at 80 pounds only, 90 bid, 90 bid, 100 bid, 100, 100 bid, 100 bid, 100, all finished, 110 bid, 120, 120, 120, 120, last time at 120, going... 